We're with a record-breaking farmer this week. It's nice to keep pushing the boundaries as, as we go along and, uh, you know, pushing the yields to where we can get them to. More from Tim Lammiman later on the programme. Also, we've been out in the field for Louth tractors, combine and cover crop field day. We've been cutting something since the 14th of July and so harvest seems to have gone on for ages. The Week in Agriculture. This is the farming programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. It's a bank holiday weekend, but... Uh... No holiday for us. I'm still here. You're probably still out doing the harvest. And back from his break is Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning. Uh, welcome back. Thank you very much. Does uh, my voice sound brown? It, it, it does. Cool. So nice and tan, <laughs> which is lovely. So uh, what's happening in agronomy? Well, it's still very much harvest, actually, as you probably noticed. I, I'm astonished that as much has been done in the last three weeks because the weather while I was away was hot, wet, hot, wet, hot, wet. I don't think I've ever seen so many ears of wheat laid on the floor as I've seen this year, which have been bashed off by the wind and the rain and the heat and the rain and the heat and the wind. Um, Spring barley has been similar. Um, We've lost a lot through brackling and breaking off and actually some of these spring barley crops are bending over so far the combines are actually cutting the heads off as they're going through. So nothing really straightforward out there this year. It's a good average harvest and what I mean by that is it's not going to be the barn-filling 2011 harvest. Um, if you want good big yields, it's very easy to feel inferior next to some of the people who are talking about yields. Um, the propensity to exaggerate is a very important thing if you want the biggest yields in the county. Um, but in general terms, um, if I could sum up spring barley, Propino hasn't performed as well as the likes of Laureate and Planet and Ovation. Propino has performed far worse, in fact, on those fields. So if you've grown Propino and you've done anything over seven tonnes to the hectare of spring barley you've done very very well um, the rest of the spring barley is somewhere between eight um, around about the eight ton mark really winter wheat um, as an agronomist I'm going to say unfortunately unfortunately reflection has yielded well the yellow rust pariah of the county has been once again a very good first week and a very good second week so um, I'm guessing there'll be a lot of people growing it next year but what you need to do is offset your risks pick other varieties which aren't so susceptible to yellow rust and you're going to need to manage it hard it is manageable it's hard work managing it but if it's going to yield obviously the disease pressure from the yellow rust strain that uh, affects reflection is an issue for us and we don't want that spreading into other varieties but manage it. Don't chuck your whole acreage in, but manage the variety. Lily, KWS Lily, that's done very well again. Uh, Silverstone's done well. Siskin's done well. The varieties which haven't performed quite as well as last year, probably JB Diego. I think it's nearly on its way out as a second wheat. It's being outperformed by many, many other varieties. But Diego, very, very variable and disappointing. And actually, evolution is more variable this year than it was last year because it was the variety of the year last year. It's not quite as good as some of the others this year. Belgrade's doing very well. Barrel's doing very well. So there are an awful lot of good varieties out there. Pick your weapon wisely because what I would say to you is, yes, your neighbour might have out-yielded you um, or he might have told you he's out-yielded you, but... A lot of things come into play with this. It's seed rate, it's soil type, it's nutrient levels within your soil, it's the way you drill, it's when you drilled, it's how much black grass you've got, the broadleaf weeds, how successful your fungicide programme's been, what your fungicide programme was, how you timed it. All of those things come into play. It's not as straightforward as thinking, well, my lily hasn't performed as well as it is, it must be my fault. We'll change the variety. Plenty of varieties to choose from, pick the right one. So out there at the moment... 
Oilseed rape drilling well underway. Thank God the oilseed rape harvest is finished. I haven't seen that many slugs. I've got slug traps out and I would urge you all to do that rather than go chucking metaldehyde on willy-nilly. Get some slug traps out with layers brown or just a few piles of slug pellets under a stone and make sure you have a problem before you go and put slug pellets on. Remember, you can no longer put metaldehyde slug pellets within 10 metres of a watercourse, so you have to have a buffer around the outside of the field where you use ferric phosphate slug pellets. Um, and that's probably not a bad idea, just to do the whole headland with ferric phosphate because I'm part of the metaldehyde stewardship group. I put reports in every week. We're trying to limit the amount of metaldehyde going into drinking water and throwing it on for the sake of throwing it on onto a wet field or right up to a ditch edge. It helps nobody and ultimately you're going to be the reason we lose metaldehyde. So we need to be very conscious of the stewardship uh, around metaldehyde. So flea beetle, I'm looking, expecting to see a lot of cabbage stem flea beetle out there at the moment. I'm looking at last year's oilseed rape fields. Not only am I not seeing slugs in them, I'm not seeing a lot of flea beetle activity either. So we need to be aware it's potentially there to come and bite us on the backside, but just keep your eyes open and keep looking and do not assume anything. And just because your neighbour's spreading slug pellets and spraying for flea beetle, it doesn't mean you have to. Keep your eyes peeled and do the job properly. So we're sort of staring down the barrels that already starting to try and hold back one or two farmers from going drilling the wheat. Um, no, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but um, it'll not be long before we're starting. But please, just chip them over, get a chit of blackgrass, and remember, 500 plants is a chit. That's a flush of blackgrass. 100 plants sprayed four times over three weeks, 100 each time, you're still on the first chit. And what saved us last year from blackgrass in a lot of these fields was the fact Mother Nature stepped in, we had a wet autumn, and they didn't get drilled until the end of October. That's a very good lesson to learn. Andrew Ward was uh, on the programme last week. He was talking about uh, glyphosate with harvest underway. Um, obviously, um, will we forget about the, the glyphosate campaign? There's a, there's a vote imminent soon on Yeah, that, in it? the European Commission Parliament, there'll be a vote over the next couple of months. Last time, some of the big ones abstained. So Germany, Spain, they all abstained. Italy, and their vote accounts for about 50%. We have to get over 50% to get glyphosate through. It is incredibly important that those of us involved in this industry speak to the people who are making these decisions for us. I mean, George Eustace, um, I hesitate to use the phrase speaks with forked tongue but he sat in a meeting with me a couple of weeks ago and said we're only going to rely on science but then again I think it might be an idea to to lose it pre-harvest the man I was told I told him precisely what I believed his uh, approach should be and how I believed it was wrong yes we need to keep the pressure upon glyphosate it is incredibly safe one of the safest molecules we use without it we are in one hell of a mess for food production and security all right. Thank you for the moment. Thank you. Goodbye. Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Good to have him back. Now, he mentioned at the beginning, tongue in cheek, a few people who maybe slightly exaggerate their yield this harvest. Well, one man who consistently gets high yields, and he has the certificates to prove it, is Tim Lammyman. Two years ago, he broke two records, harvesting the highest yielding wheat crop ever reported. This week, he tried to beat his own record. But how do you do? Well, we'll find out in a short while. But uh, while he was attempting it, I joined him in the cab of his combine on top of the walls. Well, Tim, here we are in the uh, in the cab. Explain what you're doing at the moment. Uh, well, I'm combining a piece of lily uh, milling wheat and uh, looking at to see how high we can push the yields in the UK um, this year. 
course, you've held the records before. You've broken records a couple of years ago. It, it, it's not just about breaking records, is it? But you do want that high yield. I'm basically looking to see how I can, how high yields I can push in crops each year, uh, and you know, create these even crops that we can see here as, we, as we're driving along, and, and see what the maximum yield I can get out of. I can't break a record every year, and, and we understand that's the way it is. This year, the climate hasn't been quite right for breaking records. Um, we've done really well with the Zayat milling wheat, uh, which is probably the highest ever milling wheat yield. Uh, the Lily looks like it's very similar yield to that, um, and it's a Group Two miller, so we, we've produced consistency in a year that probably hasn't been the most consistent weather we've ever seen really. Yeah. I was going to say, how has the weather affected things? Uh, it's really took the edge off the hectolitre weights. I was looking for about 80, 80 hectolitre weight and we're looking at 76 to 78 which is just taking the weight off the trailers if you, if you understand where I'm coming from. It's very very difficult to um, to get that extra weight without the hectolitre weight there. So, you know, still fantastic hectolitre weights considering the weather but it's just taking the edge off the, off the weights in the trailers. Are you doing I think about 15 tonnes at the moment on this crop aren't you? Yes it's, it's running around about six tonnes to the acre in the old-fashioned terms or 15 tonnes per hectare which is quite exciting considering uh, the weather conditions we've had and everything else. And the average here on the walls are about 10 tonnes usually so that's, that's a good figure isn't it? Yeah it's, it's a fantastic figure and you know it's, it's nice to keep pushing the boundaries as, as we go along um, and uh, you know pushing the yields to where we can get them to. Of course, you're up here in the Wolds, a beautiful part of the country as well. You've got a good view for the day job, really. Uh, it's a fantastic view. I'd never want to move from here, and, and I love every day getting up and looking out at the, the view across these fantastic hills. What uh, tips could you give to other, to other farmers who are trying to maybe take the record from you one year? Um, it's like everything else, everybody has their own land type and their own way and it's, it's overturning every part of your system and, and looking it over and, and trying to identify where the weaknesses are and strengthening up those weaknesses and that's the only way we've took the yields to where we are, uh, right from nutrition, um, you know, using some fancy by nature products which produce tillering and stem strength to even seed rates, drilling depths, uh, level seed beds, there's every single element we look at to try and push the yields higher. Uh, so unless you've turned every stone, uh, as a bit of a pun from this place, unless you've overturned every single stone, uh, you will not get those high yields. And it is a lot, it's a lot of science, isn't it, Ren? Oh yes, yeah, yeah, we, we play with an awful lot of science on here to take it to where it is, uh, to almost the art form in nutrition now. We, we try to not let the plant, plant suffer any nutrition whatsoever if we can, if we can help it. Talked about the weather earlier, hasn't been uh, the best of summers. Um, what for you would be a successful year? Uh, I'd, I'd love um, exactly the same weather conditions we've had here but swap some of the rain that we had now to sunshine and some of the sunshine we had in the previous uh, six weeks, the six weeks wet spell we've had, to rain and that would have been the perfect season. We almost had an optimum one in 2015. Uh, and this year it's it's been just slightly off the optimum on both the last well the last 12 weeks really slightly too much sunshine in the in those first six weeks and uh, way too much rain in the second six weeks if we could add a, a, a bit more of a compromise it would have been perfect season Tim Lammiman there in his combine while watching by the side of the field was Steve Mowbray from BioNature Agriculture we approximate the yield will be uh, around 15 and a half tonnes to the hectare, which is a incredible yield. That is a, an amazing yield. How are you doing that? Uh, we're treating it with our uh, foliar nitrogen, uh, Delta and uh, one for all products. Um, we start the programme in the autumn 
Um, as soon as the crops are up and out the ground, then we apply our first dose of Delta K and um, that produces very strong rooting and, uh, and increased tillering. I mean, the average around here is what, about 10 tonnes? I'd say the average up on the walls is 10 tonne uh, to the hectare. Um, this is the second field we've harvested, which has pushed 15 and a half tonne to the hectare. And the UK five-year average for wheat is 7.6 tonnes uh, to the hectare. So, yeah, it's, it's a tremendous yield. What lessons could other farmers take from what you're doing here? Uh, we use a little and often approach really for our products. We start, uh, we do three applications in the autumn and just build a very, very strong plant uh, going into the winter, which produces uh, a lot more tillers. It holds onto the tillers. It's, it's more disease resistant. There's more green leaf area uh, and um, hence pushes a, a higher yield at the end of the day. Of course, this isn't a one-off year. Obviously, a couple of years ago, Tim was breaking a number of records as well, wasn't he, because of this kind of uh, farming run? Yeah, Tim is is a fantastic farmer. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't want to say it's all down to our products because that wouldn't be true. Uh, but Tim is, is a fabulous farmer, looks after his land, uh, has got a very robust spray programme. Uh, and um, he uses our, our products extensively. So, yeah, Tim is a, is, a, is a very good farmer. Steve Mowbray from Bionature Agriculture. Well, he was estimating 15.5 tonnes to the hectare. In actual fact, it came in at 14.26. Still high, sadly, though, not beating Tim's own record, which he set himself at 16.5 tonnes this very week two years ago. Good try, though, Tim. And as he himself said earlier, you can't beat the record every time. But with the right amount of work, you can get those well above average yields consistently, as he has again proved. On Thursday, Louth Tractors held their Combine and Cover Crop Field Day at Belchford. I caught up with both John Smith and Steve Melbourne from Louth Tractors to find out more about the day. First, Steve. Well, what we've been trying to do, uh, we show, first of all, for Louth Tractors, we've been trying to show a combines off. Uh, two models we've got in the field is the 7140 and the 9240 are two medium and large uh, combines that we have in our range. Uh, trying to show really how the Redicop works, the Redicop system, which is a chop on the chop, and how we can direct drill straight into that uh, through CFE. Yeah, this came from um, a meeting with CFE and the realisation that no one knows or seems to know what CFE is or stands for anymore. And so, yeah, they've come along to talk to farmers about greening and EFAs. So we've just been showing how we can grow catch and cover crops immediately behind the combine. And again, it's a good example to, for farmers to come to see it, to actually see it in action, isn't it? Oh, yeah, there's been plenty of action. So, yeah, the combine's going up the hill. Really fine chop, which is essential. Then we're drilling stubble turnips immediately behind the combine sheep on those in the spring and then back into whatever it will be next spring so yeah it's two steve's christened it two seasons in one day or something i think we've done well considering how busy everybody is to get the numbers this morning that we've had because everyone's drilling rape harvest is really late on the wolds we've got stacks to do but we never finish until september it's normal yeah, you were saying just, that earlier, actually, here on the walls, it is kind of, yeah. this is the right time yeah. at the minute. So you started a bit earlier, though, this year. I think that's the only difference. We've been cutting something since the 14th of July, and so harvest seems to have gone on for ages. So that's a week early, and I think we thought we'd finish a week early, but we're going to be about normal. This year has been very catchy with, uh, with the harvest, as, as John's already alluded to. It's been, a, it's been very difficult, frustrating for farmers, frustrating for us as machinery dealers, trying to get 
them on the farm and going to the right places. This year we've had a very, very successful demonstration plan. Uh, we've had John, who has been our combine demonstrator driver, uh, full-time. So, uh, so old. <laughs> <laughs> we will have done over 20 demonstrations uh, through the whole of Lincolnshire, uh, north all the way through. Uh, up to Mablethorpe, it's been it's been very good. Everybody that we've been to see have embraced the combine, the concept of the combine, and how it's worked. So it it has been very very good for us indeed. And again, it's it is about showing them off, isn't it? It's about showing what they can do, really. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's one of the the nice things about the way we demonstrate at Louth Tractors is we have a farmer who demonstrates, and he demonstrates as a farmer. So he treats the crop, every field he goes into, as if it's his own. And that is something that we've got a little bit special and a little bit unique, more than any other dealer. First thing we do is we have a walk round, because our machine isn't familiar to a lot of farmers. It might be the most popular combine on the planet, or there are more axial flows, but not in Lincolnshire or North Lincolnshire. So we do a bit of a walk round, and then, following on from what Steve just said, we leave the combine there with a bit of support for a day so you can try it in the morning, in the afternoon, and when it's really important to try combine in the evening when it starts to get damp, so we don't just disappear it after a few hours. And we train the farmer or his drivers to have a go, and hopefully they all have a go. And we match the performance or beat the performance or we challenge the performance of their current machine and just show the pros and cons. It's like cars or vans or whatever, there's always pros and cons to all sorts of makes, and we have a, we have a few... Um, a few aspects of our machines which are unique. All right, well, well done on today. And can I uh, put a plug in? You can. A, please, Sean, just to thank the CFE and their partners who are very supportive and sometimes some of the, you know, Natural England, we hear all the bad press. They were here this morning. They're trying their hardest, I think. Anglian Water, they're doing a great job communicating with the farming industry. And so we've had various other connected CFE done a good job. The other thing I'd like to say... Any landowners, any farmers, and particularly highways, can you please, please, please trim all the highway trees? <laughs> that would help you a lot, would it? Yeah, it would help. And lorry drivers and anybody with big machinery. John Smith and Steve Melbourne of Louth Tractors at that Combine and Cover Crop Field Day on Thursday. Right, I notice uh, Henry Young has uh, wandered in, so that must mean it's time for the latest from Open Field. Hello, Henry. Good morning, how are you? I'm okay, thank you. So what's, what's the latest? Well, this week's it's been an interesting week. Uh, at the moment, the old crop balance sheet uh, is almost finalised. There's some carryout, which is close to 1.78 million. This is mainly uh, made up of imports bought in in June and further imports and a bit of shipping uh, into the UK in July as well. Anticipating demand for 1718 is expected to be similar to last year with a few adjustments. The animal feed is expected to continue to increase on the back of ever-increasing flocks of chickens, which we have many of in Lincolnshire as well. Uh, obviously, livestock feed uh, demand will become a little different depending on the weather and also the price, depending on uh, other livestock sectors, which are looking very dull at the moment. The human and industrial demand is expected to drop, mainly on the back of the usage for the ethanol production, but time will tell on that one. The crop size, uh, a lot of people are saying that it's doing well, others aren't so well. So it's very mixed across the country. Big range of yields on both second wheat and, uh, and first wheat and the quality as well. At current estimate, the wheat production is circa 14.8 to 15 million tonnes. But again, it's going to depend on what's still out there to combine as the harvest move forward and also the yield estimates currently based on first wheats, so quality wheats, but we are seeing some problems with those as well. DEFRA has also published their provisional um, England area uh, numbers 
which has shown a drop in the wheat area and a rise in the spring barley, which I guess we already knew, um, and also a drop in the fallow. The numbers don't change much really, so again it's going to be down to the yield. Exports in July look to be very much UK to UK circa, so literally moving wheat probably from Kent up to Scotland and uh, within the county probably from Boston down to Erith that way. Future stores uh, at the moment need to be moved. Uh, there's still some old crop surplus in, in certain areas. Uh, Ireland, uh, again on the radar. Uh, currency at the moment with the UK grains uh, shipping. The margin is cheap, but other origins uh, of freight need to be monitored as well. The pound continues to sink, but with Brexit uh, still an uncertainty and relative to euro strength, uh, may wonder what kind of impact it's going to have. But the impact it is having is on the grain markets. And notably, those those that are waiting for their payments to come in will notice that the payment per hectare on your subsidies may, be, may well be quite good if it carries on how it does. We'll see how it goes through September. Having a look at those prices, September 130 to 133, November 133 to 136, May 140 to 143, and November 137 to 140. The barley, well, global barley supply is currently anticipated to be 7.86 million tonnes, less than last year. This number may well change in the forthcoming months due to the Russian crop. After all, the crops are so huge that we'll see what barley does actually come out. Either way, the global barley crop is small and has limited stock as a buffer. This is going to be an issue for those that want to ship, also want to buy in a quantity. So the main exporter remains EU, with a number pegged at 6.5 million by the USDA, but 7.7 by other companies. Uh, the EU crop currently anticipated to be around 3 million tonnes less than last year, but that may be trimmed as final uh, crop estimates are known in northern EU countries. Other concerns for the EU is a domestic demand. With barley, a reasonable discount to wheat within the EU, our customers are going to revert back to barley wherever possible, especially in the light of import tax on the maize. Australia needs to be watched closely, especially if they don't pull off any reasonable crop because the likes of China may well go shopping elsewhere for low-grade malting barley. So, suggest Argentina coming up trumps in the new year? Wait and see. We may also get a bit of a bite to that market. Domestic UK barley crop are still um, still being cut, so we'll wait and see what impacts that has. Spring barley, it may be a big disappointment. Many of you are growing it for black grass. We'll wait and see what happens on that. There are being some high nitrogens being seen as well, so wait and see. At the moment, September 118, November 120 to 123, May 123 to 127, and November 118. That's November 18, by the way. Uh, oilseed rate. All eyes are currently on the US soya crop with the overall global supply situation. There's a real us and them story currently appearing with the oilseed rate market. The Chicago soya is now an $85 discount to the Matif oilseed rate. So the spread may well widen enough for consumers to re- really think and questioning whether or not they're gonna, where they're going to get their oils from. The EU crop is now anticipated to be around 21.5 million tonnes, which is around 1.1 million tonnes more than last year. The EU is still going to need to import, but the pressure is going to be slightly off, which can only be a good thing. Uh, UK yields are more variable, uh, but the area numbers uh, published uh, for England were certainly better than anticipated earlier last year. Some crops have been affected by flea beetle. So again, let's see what this market does. And it is, does seem to be going up, up in the right direction as well. At the moment, September, you're going to be getting 316, November 330 and May 335. 
beans, sample of winter beans through the lab, so far look to be high in brood which means that they're going to be feed. Only a couple of spring samples are seen at the moment. Based on what we have, it's going to be a high brood year. Feed values have drifted with that expected high feed crop. So feed price at the moment, 152 for September, plus a pound a month from there. Henry Young from uh, Open Fields. Right, it's a bank holiday weekend, an unusual one because it's uh, mostly dry. What's the week ahead got in store for us? The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Well, it is fine and dry today. Some cloud in places, 21 the high, the wind from the west at about 7 to 10 miles an hour. Overnight tonight, some cloud but staying dry, lows of 15, the wind more from the south at about 6 miles an hour and a sunny bank holiday Monday ahead as well, warmer, 25 the high with that wind from the southwest, 15 to 20 miles an hour. Close skies at first Monday, but uh, come Tuesday morning, the possibility of a shower. Lows of around 16 Celsius, the temperatures keeping up. The wind from the west-southwest, 10, gusting at 20 miles an hour. And then a sunny Tuesday, by the looks of things at the moment, 21 the high, so a little cooler. The wind more from the west at about 10 miles an hour. Overcast for the middle of the week, Wednesday, very cloudy. Should stay dry, though, maybe a shower if you're unlucky. 17, 18 the high on Wednesday, the wind from the west at 10 miles an hour. And then the latter end of the week does look like staying mostly fine and dry. There is the possibility of a shower in some parts. Highs generally around 20 Celsius, overnight lows nearer 11 or 12 degrees. And the wind more from the west at about 10 miles an hour. And that's the forecast. Next week, we'll hear from the Rare Breed Survival Trust and the rare breeds that are, sadly, getting ever rarer. From 1900 to 1973, we lost 26 breeds of farm livestock. And those are the only ones that we know about. Be- um, sheeted cattle, Lincolnshire curly-coated pig. You can Google them these days, you can find them in the history books, but you won't find them in farmyards, and the genetics have gone forever. That's next week. Enjoy the rest of the bank holiday weekend if you can, even if you're working it. We'll have the programme for you again at the same time next week. As ever, have a good week's farming.